Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. Kareem, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Sales Podcast. Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. What a, what a privilege. My pleasure. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. We were just talking about the similarities right between the, the Pacific Northwest and, and Ireland um, and how it's finally sunny. Although I thought that you guys would probably get like a lot more sun than, than us over here in Ireland. Well, I don't know. It, uh, it's hard to define what a lot more is. Sometimes, you know, after a whole season of rainy, wet, cold, you know, you'll take whatever you can get. So yeah, for sure. We always want more. No, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think as, as I was telling you, like it is pretty green over here. And so we, we just have to pay the price to keep that green uh, up. So, so yeah, a lot of rain for sure. <laughs> Love it. Well, so, uh, so on that theme, right? So you're, you're based in Ireland. Why don't we start with a little bit about your background? Yeah, for sure. So I moved to Ireland about 11, 12 years ago. Uh, I'm originally from Egypt. I'm a 100% Egyptian. I just moved over here to complete my studies. And yeah, I've, I've pretty much been, been settled here ever since. And basically, I, I uh, studied marketing for five years. Great professors, great people in college, but I didn't actually learn anything until the day that I graduated. And from there, I was scrambling around trying to find an opportunity to do an internship. And during my time studying here in Ireland, I managed to do an exchange semester in, um, in Toronto. And I, I built up a lot of connections over there. And I thought, you know what, they're going to help me with an internship. And I was not able to get an internship for, for a variety of reasons. Chief among them is like my, my visa status, because like as an Egyptian national, I need a visa to go anywhere. Like I need a visa to like take a shower. <laughs> and so they, I got to a stage where I was like, I'm willing to cover the cost of me coming over and working for you guys for free because I value the experience of, you know, doing an internship. And they said, listen, really appreciate the gesture, but it's just not going to work out. So out of desperation, I came across this word uh, startup, which I had no idea what it meant. I read into it a little bit more and I realized, oh, it's basically you giving yourself a job. And so I decided to, to just, I had literally had nothing to lose. So I started reading more into it. I've had one startup that failed. Um, it was in the restaurant, kind of like marketing space. My team was so much better than me. I wasn't a good leader for that team. So they all uh, ultimately quit and, and rightfully so because they never got paid. So I think that's a very normal reason to quit. But I've, after that, I decided, you know what, let me go and get like a real job uh, so I can actually legally stay in the country. And so I had an opportunity to work in LinkedIn for, for a couple of years. And then after that, I moved over to HubSpot for a couple of years. But during my tenure in these two companies, which I absolutely loved and I learned so much and I, and I owe them a lot, so that startup bug, even though I did fail, that startup bug just kept coming back and back. And I'm like, you know what? Something about that though. What if, what if I just give it like one more shot this time, me and my brother, uh, who was in Google at the time, why don't we just give this one final shot? Worst case scenario, we can go back, get another job. Best case scenario, maybe we're in a position to, to hopefully create jobs. And yeah, it's been, it's been four years and counting. So we're, we're, uh, we're learning as we go. 
Yeah. And so just to clarify, so you and your brother are the co-founders of a company called Chopcast, which automates and does some video editing. And then you also provide that as a service. Yeah, exactly. So you were in marketing and you spent, you had a pretty good run at HubSpot. And I noticed that you were doing uh, marketing and some sales enablement. Um, You know, what was some of the work or what was some of the work that you did around kind of the sales process, the sales enablement, you know, leveraging HubSpot to really help uh, salespeople? Yeah, hundred percent. Improve, get better. Yeah, so so I, I guess I can speak a little bit to, to to the work that I've done at HubSpot. The role is pretty interesting. I, I got to work with marketing agencies that were willing to resell HubSpot, and so we basically took like a, a phased approach with them. Phase one was like figuring out how to do marketing and sales for themselves using the HubSpot ecosystem and kind of like the inbound the inbound methodology overall. And then stage two, a little bit like the movie Inception, is like, hey, how to do all of that but now for your clients. And so hopefully I've added some value, but truth be told, I was the one who was gaining like so much just from like all of the insights that I was learning from them and just having that kind of like vantage point of seeing a lot of different businesses go through a lot of different, you know, experiments. And from that, I was just able to learn a lot more about how different companies approach, you know, the, the buyer's journey overall, which is comprised obviously of like marketing and sales. And um, yeah, we can we can dive deeper from there, I guess. Well, so I'm curious. So taking some of the lessons learned there, right? So you were in right, your early career, and this is what I love, you know, about the early career person, whether you're sales or any other role. You know, you're excited. You've got a new role. It's such an opera. If you take advantage of it, it's such an opportunity to just digest and learn so much because you may or may not realize is you're creating the foundation for your entire career may not necessarily be the career that you're in, that job, but everything you learn is translatable in some way to the next step, the next step after that. So I am curious, you know, after HubSpot, you know, what, you, with your experience there, how did that help you or what were some of the takeaways from that that you then leveraged into what you're doing today, running your own business? Yeah, 100%. I think one of the, the key things that we realized is that with regards to like marketing and sales both serve a, a sales outcome at the end of the day and so we really had to learn how to basically create conversion opportunities and, and conversation opportunities all throughout the funnel across like yeah as i said like marketing and sales and so some of the things that we've we've learned are just like the the basics of making it easy for people to to find you to begin with so that you can start to generate, have a, um, a semblance of like a top of funnel so that you can from there start to have inbound interest and start to attract people down the funnel later on. And we basically did a bit of that in terms of like inbound. So we would create a lot of like content around like keywords that we know that our future customers would be searching for. We would use tools such as uh, Hrefs and free tools like Answer the Public and stuff like that, where we would basically just like throw in a bunch of stuff, vague things, and then have like a much more detailed report come back to us in terms of like the specific content that people, or rather the specific queries that people have. And based on that, using it as an opportunity to create more content. In addition to that as well, like we were doing a lot of like outbound stuff as well, which is which is really the fun part of sales, isn't it? And so on that, like we have had, and we continue to run so many different like outbound experiments. They range from activities on like LinkedIn, activities on email, like multi multi channel outreach uh, campaigns as well. And uh, some some have not worked at all. Some have worked uh, really well, and most of them are kind of like somewhere in the middle, where it's like you know there's something there, but 
it needs to, it needs more refinement, which which I guess is the name of the game at the end of the day. It is, yeah. So now you, uh, as a co-founder of Chopcast, you've been doing it now for four years. Um, you're also wearing a sales hat. You know, as you've gone through those different iterations of trying to get to market, grow it, get more visibility, get more paying customers. You know, what are some of the sales lessons that you've learned over the last four years? Yeah, so so much. Um, first of all, I think imposter syndrome kicks in a little bit over here because I've never actually been, I've never been paid to be a salesperson before, except for the last four years when when we were like you know running running our our company. But previously, I was like in in a marketing role where I had exposure to what sales was doing, but I was never pay, paid by an external company to work in sales, or I've never had a formal sales training, as it were. And so, uh, feeling a bit of imposter syndrome right now. But I will tell you like what I have learned. Which is first of all, like the importance of genuinely putting the prospect first and understanding that prospects are extremely smart people and they're not necessarily going to they're not necessarily going to give you a chance unless you have done your homework and you've really built a relationship with them and or have done your have showed them that like what you're offering is something that's genuinely contextual to them. Let me get a little bit more specific. So a couple of things that have particularly worked well for us, specifically in the early days, is in the very beginning, we were trying to do like just hard sales where it's like, hey, this is this is the this is the value prop. These are the top three benefits. Do you have, you know, 15 minutes to talk next Thursday? You know, and you can imagine how how that went. It wasn't uh, may have worked once upon a time, but it wasn't very effective, at least when we tried it a couple of years ago. And so we've since we literally had nothing to lose, we were like hovering around like let's call it zero MRR. We decided, you know what, let's take a different approach, a more sort of, you know, yeah, a more kind of like naked approach where we just said, listen, we're new to this. Uh, would you be open to just giving us some feedback on what we're working on in case this could be helpful for yourselves down the line? And surprisingly enough, we've we've had a lot of people, specifically like marketing leaders, say, you know what, um, I'm I'm happy to do that. And and maybe we got lucky just because the persona that we were targeting, in this case, it was yeah, like CMOs, VPs of marketing, that sort of thing. They are creative by nature, that their job requires it. So naturally they're open to a brainstorming session, right? Maybe a nice break from uh, from from their jobs if, if they're bored at their jobs. So that worked quite well for us. Another thing that I think worked quite well is honestly, like just having people on uh, on podcasts and just using that to build a relationship. There's a lot of people out there who create a podcast where they would like bring a guest on and then like next day it's like, hey, so you want to buy something from me? This is something that doesn't necessarily uh, work in our experience. It's more so about using that as an opportunity to create. And by the way, I'm preaching to the choir right now, but it's really built using that as an opportunity to create some type of like a virtual hangout spot where you have these relationships and your primary goal is to add value. Yes, obviously, you're trying to make money and pay the bills, but your ultimate goal must be to add value to them and see if there's anyone else you can connect them with. Maybe you can connect guest number 10 with guest number one. And, you know, like you're just trying to build some type of an ecosystem of value, because even if the person in front of you is not necessarily going to buy right away, they might be uh, in touch with others that might timing and need might be right on the dot for them. And so they would be a good ambassador for your brand in general. And yeah, this is this is definitely another thing that we've learned. I can go on and on, but. uh, Well, I can tell you, you just you just spurred an idea that I had never really thought about. But, you know, I'm, I'm at like whatever this will be episode number, let's say roughly 120 i can't remember the the exact number but nice in terms of guests let's say 60 70 guests o- over time it'd be kind of fun to maybe create a meetup 
bring them all back together for uh, you know a quarterly meetup session, go into some breakout rooms, get to know people, see what value each other can share with each other, and uh, just you know giving people an opportunity to network. And you know, some of them may know each other because they're coaches and authors. Maybe they've met at a conference, but then there's other people that haven't. And so yeah, what a what an interesting idea. I hadn't really thought about that. I'm gonna rip, I'm gonna run with that. That is actually a great idea. I didn't even think of that myself. So uh, if you don't mind, I'm, I might take that down mentally as well. <laughs> All right. Well, you do it and I'll do it. We'll come back together and talk about how it went. Yeah, because I just love the idea of like, you know what I mean? Like two different guests who would have never met. But thanks to you as like a as like a super connector, as it were, like you could actually connect those people. And and you're you're the one who made it happen kind of thing. So I think that adds value. And, and I think it feel, feels nice that you're that yeah that you're that you're helpful as opposed you're, you're a giver as adam grant would say as opposed to like a taker yeah you know and the kind of the neat thing about doing activities or connecting like that is um you as a person doing it you're also going to learn so much along the way i mean you just every time i do one of these things every time i have a conversation with somebody like you just like now i pick up ideas sometimes i get my mind blown now the hard thing is what do you do with it right you know, I had a, another guest, actually, his episode just long, um, was released today, and he talked about high performers, you know, the top 10, 20 percent, um, and he broke it down into an acronym of GUMP, and I'm not going to go over what each, because his name was Forrest, so he used GUMP as kind of his acronym. <laughs> Love it. And, you know, G stood for goal-orientated, but then somewhere in the P was, all right, it's great that you have goals and you're a big thinker. But then the real power, the real performers are the ones that translate those goals into a real activity and march forward and do them um, and have a high level of motivation. I think that's what M stood for was motivation. Mm -hmm. So sort of a little bit of a tangent, but you know, it's it's when you listen to these podcasts, you listen to Kareem, if you're listening now, you get a great idea, then it's what do you do with it? You can't take all the great ideas and do them all because that's definitely a recipe for failure. But you know, grab one or two or three focus on that one, do it for a month, two months and evaluate it, see how it goes. And then, you know, maybe add something else or tweak it a little bit. Absolutely. And on, on the back of that, Chris, I think you, you gave me an idea, which, or you reminded me of something, which is sometimes people, uh, and by people, I, I pr chiefly mean myself, uh, I, I get drawn to like shiny things, right? Or when something I'm doing works, but it's kind of boring, somehow that's not like, that's not enough for it's not enough for me that it's working like i have to go chase the shiny thing that i'm trying it's a it's a constant process i'm trying to get better at it but right now like you know one of one of the things that i've that i've shared recently that that have started working is just reaching out to people and um, not asking for a meeting or not asking for anything but just giving them giving them two ideas and my call to action is who's the best person to share more ideas with and we we have been able to to, to drive revenue using this approach and the first thought that came to my mind is like ooh this is cool, but it's kind of manual. How do we automate this? And I went on this whole, like, kind of like, uh, th this like goose chase completely, like on a, on a complete tangent to now like study automation and automation in the grand scheme of things is great. But like, I was at a stage where automation was important, but not necessarily urgent at all. There was no need for me to automate something right now, at least until I get a bit more like data points, um, you know, th that support that this is something that can easily be you know automated or refined further and so on so one thing i've definitely learned the and, and my results suffered as a result in case people are wondering and so the punchline here is really like you know if you're doing something and it works no matter how boring it is actually if it, if it is boring the more boring it is the better because then you could just 
build that consistency habit as opposed to thinking, you know what, I saw this new thing on YouTube or someone said that on a podcast. I'm going to drop everything and follow that. Well, perhaps you you might want to drop everything if what you're doing isn't working. But if what you're doing is working, then you know, you're, you're, you're better than most. You should probably stick to what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally true. Yeah. I mean, I think, especially in the sales world, I, I know a lot of sales reps, it's pretty common that we kind of get excited about stuff. And, and I think it's somehow in the nature of, you know, a, a good salesperson, but uh, we get attracted by shiny objects all the time. In fact, that's kind of how I found your software. You know, I saw it and I said, like, oh, that looks cool. And, you know, and in my mind, I started building out all these different, you know. Oh, but Chopcast is an exception though, so. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but you know, it delivered. So that was, uh, that was great. Before we jump into the topic, I wanted to let you know that we just launched a monthly drawing for one of our insulated high-tech freedom tumblers. Now, I've been sending these out as a thank you gift to each of our guests, and the response has been great. You know, everyone has a full-size coffee cup, a Yeti, or whatever brand that they might use, but not everybody has the small tumbler that you can put your wine or beverage of choice in. And they're great for the deck, beach, camping, or just, you know, just keeping your drink warm or cold. Now, I'm not selling these, but I am excited about them. So we decided to offer these up to the loyal podcast listeners by doing a monthly drawing. So if you're interested, go to hightechfreedom.com forward slash mug, that's M-U-G, and you'll see a picture of the Tumblr and you can enter. We'll just collect your name, phone number, and email. And if you do win, we'll then follow up and ask for your mailing address so we know where to send it. If you don't win, your name stays in so you don't need to re-enter. I do have one more thing, if you don't mind, Chris. Again, something that that I'm like the world's slowest learner. I think if I ever make it to the Guinness Book of Records, it'll be that it'll be for that reason. One thing that I've understood theoretically, but have had a, a really tough time like trying to put into practice is basically building, kind of like building a building a personal brand around things that you genuinely care about, and somehow finding a way to make sure that it's not totally irrelevant to what it is that you're selling. So to give you a quick story, you know, Chopcast. We want to be thought leaders in the the repurposing space. A couple of years ago, we've published a book on repurposing, blah, 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 blah. So naturally, all of our content is repurposing, repurposing, repurposing. But one of the, and I am interested in repurposing, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't have started the company. But separate to that, something that I'm equally passionate about and more kind of holistically passionate about is this notion of like founder mental uh, health and mental, mental fitness in general. All these people who are out there like, being a creator, being a podcaster like, like yourself, or even like just CEOs in general who are pretty much creating something and people outside don't realize how lonely sometimes it can be. And I wanted to just share my experience of like going through that and like some of the things that I've learned that some of the specific tools that I've learned that help me cope with that. Like one of my favorite ones is uh, The Obstacle is the Way, which is a very famous uh, stoic message from from folks like Marcus Aurelius and so on. Uh, popularized in, in in Ryan Holiday's book of the same title, but for example, the, the the idea of like the obstacle is the way is you know when you when you face a challenge or an obstacle, how do you not just like endure that or or, or tolerate that, but actually use its weight against itself? Like you would get to a stage where you're actually better off. You're better off because this thing happened, and if this thing did not happen, you would have been worse off. So this is one of like many many ideas that um, that I've learned over the last couple of years. And I've started creating a lot more content around that, around like founder mental toughness and mental fitness and stuff like that. 
And interestingly enough, people started to resonate, uh, you know, it started to resonate with people on, on, on LinkedIn and so on. Still early days, but I'm getting more engagement on that than maybe some of our more traditional, you know, repurposing content. And so one thing that I felt is like, I started feeling some feelings of guilt because I'm like, people are engaging with this content, but I need to sell though. So like, how do I bridge that gap? And when we, right. when me and the team started to think about that a lot more, we realized, well, wait a minute, Chopcast is in the business of reducing burnout for these founders and creators and, and increasing their chances of chances of success. And this notion of like founder mental health and, and, and founder mental fitness serves that on, on a very top of funnel level. So there is a connection indeed that could be made. And so how is that going to help us sell more like repurposing solutions? Maybe not directly, but it just speaks to like how we are taking a stance on this subject matter. And this is how we are approaching it kind of thing. So I'm curious to know if like, if you've had that experience in terms of like, you know, selling something, but your content is kind of like above and beyond that or more, more holistic than that. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I imagine that part of the reason why you had more traction is you know, it's your journey, right? And so people can resonate with that and that, that, that attracts them. You know, I think when I think about the things that I've sold, it's really hard to think of an example like that. Um, I know that when I've like, I'll, I'll post about the podcast and I'll post about selling and, you know, when I'll get some average good response, but I've done a few posts when I talk about my journey of building up, you know, 20 years of real estate investing and I get a lot more, a lot more engagement. And I, and I sometimes wonder, you know, why is that? Well, yeah, everybody wants to make money, but also I think, you know, when you think about sales, that's your job. And when you think about like, let's say investing in real estate, that's benefiting you personally. And so that what's top of mind for people, what's in it for them. And I, and I sometimes think that's gets a little bit more engagement, a little bit more traction because it's also tying in that, that long-term, how could things be different story mm -hmm. where sometimes, you know, when you're talking about sales, it's, it's maybe people just aren't connecting those dots as fast. And that's maybe something I could do a better job at is how do I tie in, you know, the sales getting better at selling into that long-term, how could life be different? True. Yeah. And, and you remind me of something that I've um, watched on YouTube a while ago from Gary Vee, where he talked about the concept of like document versus documenting versus creating. So rather than thinking of creating content as which is which is a major part of sales and, and building your status as a trusted advisor and so on, rather than starting every Monday and thinking, right, time to create something. You know, he, he as I understand it, he advocates that like, no, like just take people behind the scenes on your life and like day in your life and the things you're learning and specifically the things that you're learning as opposed to you like rushing to get to like guru status. Sometimes this content tends to like resonate a lot more because people are like, hey, this this is a real person sharing their their true authentic self. And I know it sounds cliche as hell, but it worked. It's a, it's cliche for a reason. And going back to my to, to our earlier point from from much earlier, people people are smart. They're going to be like, who is this guy or who is this gal? They're going to check you out as a personal brand. Maybe they'll find their way to, the, to your company and they'll put two and two together, right? And they'll figure out what it is that you do. And it might if you if you've played your cards right, you might use that as an opportunity to, to build a conversation further, or they might decide, you know what, this is actually something that we need. What a coincidence. Well, the degree to which you do like good planning, you, you increase the likelihood of these coincidences happening. Yeah, that's a really, I think that's such a great point. Because when I think about the topics that I do, like when I individually do a solo episode, there's usually two topics I talk about. 
Number one, what am I excited about? There's some topic that I'm excited about. Or number two, what am I frustrated about? And I try not to overthink it. It's just stuff that I'm seeing right in front of me right now. And that's my topic. And so it's a, it's a good example of um, kind of the documenting behind the scenes, you know, to develop the content or develop the idea. Yeah. Um, shifting gears a little bit, Kareem. So I, I think there's a lot of lessons, you know, as a sales professional in the field, you are, for a lot of people, they're working for a company working in a w2 role but at the end of the day they're still running their own mini franchise their own mini business and there's a lot of freedom and flexibility to how you run and go to market and win because everybody has their own style and their own approach so as a founder of a company you know doing your independent role you know what are some you talked about the obstacles away by the way happen to have it right here oh nice i love it next to me um what are some of the obstacles that you experienced over the last few years trying to build up the company and you know how did you overcome them oh my god um absolutely i want to say like every everything like we've made every single mistake like we would see like if i'm driving this way and i see a pothole to my left i would take a hard left just to <laughs> just to fall into that pothole uh, obviously not on purpose but that's just how it feels sometimes but i feel like it, it kind of made us stronger because We've obviously we haven't seen it all, but but we've seen it all as it were in terms of like we now know what not to do, and in many cases that's just as valuable, if not more valuable, than being successful and having no clue how to replicate that. One of the biggest challenges is that me and my co-founder are marketing slash sales guys, right? Like we know nothing about tech, nothing. Couldn't write a single line of code between us um, to save our lives. Now it's a little bit different, but when we started Chopcast, the the product. You know, we we approached it purely from like a um, kind of like two people looking to invest their time, invest their money. We were looking at it as like a market opportunity, like this should exist. And one of the things that we, like, I'm not going to say we rushed into, uh, but we rushed into is just building the product without necessarily realizing that, wait a minute, we don't actually have a technical co-founder. And so as a result, we've had to go through a lot of different iterations of what that product is going to end up looking like. And Thankfully now, like the, the version that we have is, is the most successful, the most stable, et cetera. But we had to build Chopcast like three times from scratch. And I know it's not really like a sales related thing, but it, it's just something that, that I think about a lot, which is like, if I, if I could go back in time, like what would I change about that experience? And I think even though I have no regrets, I think it would have been great to just have like a technical co-founder from day one, but life hands you cards and you just have to, to play them to the best of your abilities. So uh, yeah, I think I think that's that's definitely like one one obstacle that thankfully we were able to, to turn around. I would say. Well, if you were to go back and uh, you know kind of coach your younger self and and or maybe somebody else that uh, is looking to start a business or or kind of get through obstacles in in their own territory as a salesperson, you know what would be some guidance or coaching you might provide to the earlier Kareem. Yeah, yeah, I, I love the way you framed it because I'm not in a position to advise anyone, but I would totally advise myself. And I would say either learn the skill of what it is that you are trying to, to get into if you don't have it already. For example, like we had the services side of the business and that was doing fine because it was like fully aligned with like our wheelhouse, whereas the product thing was a little bit like venturing out and we kind of had to build the airplane on our way down as it were. And now thankfully we're <laughs> we're we're going up, which is good, which is good. Um but yeah, either that or surround yourself with with great people. Like all the people we knew were like marketing and sales people. And we were like, well, that's just great. <laughs> you know, like we we have enough of that. And it's so funny because like when we speak to developers, they're like, whoa, you know how to market? You know how to sell? That's so that's so hard. You you can write copy. 
I'm like, yeah, that's like the easiest thing. And they're like, no, like it's so much easier to just build some, you know, build a product. And we're like, whoa, but you know, we, we just, it's just a totally opposite experience from, from our point of view, point of view. Yeah. Interesting. Well, as we, um, you know, so that's in the rear, that's in the past, right? As, uh, as, I, as we wrap up this conversation here and you think to the future, you know, what does the future hold for you? You know, if you think five years, 10 years down the road, where will you be? Where will the company be? What do you envision for yourself? Yeah, great question. I think right now, like we are, I think we're an inter- in an interesting position because we have the product and we have the service. Um, the product coincides with like the the AI revolution that's going on and we're totally trying to capitalize on that as, as best as we can. Um, and on the services side, this has been something that has been um, a solid foundation for us from the start. So I think it puts us in an interesting position where we kind of have like two laboratories working side by side and we can kind of uh, accelerate our learning across the board. So like things that are working well in the service, we can think, hey, how do we bring that to the product and automate that further? Uh, things in the product that we find are, you know, they really need that bespoke or that human touch. Well, how do we use that as an opportunity to to add val- add even more value on the services front? So I think there's a lot of really cool knowledge transfers that's going to ha- happen between the the two the two kind of like um, uh, businesses that we have there, the two pro- the two offerings that we have over there. And other than that, I'm just looking to to learn as much as possible and get really good at like surrounding myself with people that are much smarter than me. And when you came, when you graciously came on the podcast a couple of days ago, we, you and I were talking about one of our favorite books, which is uh, Who Not How, right? By by Dan Sullivan and, and Ben Hardy. And that's, I think that's like a lifelong skill that I'm, that I'm really trying to build, which is I'm not, I don't have enough of a lifetime to, to learn everything that it is I want to learn. I think a much better skill to, to, to acquire, as it were, is the ability to really know what you want. And the ability to be able to attract people and perhaps use your sales skills to attract people and buy their time as opposed to you learning on your own dime, which would take a lot longer than just hiring someone who's got 10, 15 plus experience and whatever it is you're looking for. Yeah. And then just to clarify, if you haven't listened to the uh, or read the book, uh, Who Not How, the general uh, high level premise of the book is you know, we spend, especially like in the tech world and sales, right? We always, if you think about your QBR, you think about your business review, how much time does everybody spend sitting around the table talking about how do we go do this? How do we go do that? How do we market this? How do we go penetrate this vertical? How do we go change this? We spend all this time talking about how, 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 and then it takes forever. And we spend so little time talking about well, who could go do this for us? Who could get this done for us? Who could accelerate it? Maybe there's somebody out there that's already done it. And you just have to go grab that person, have them run, have them leverage their expertise and do it in you know 10 times as fast or in you know a 10th of a time. And it's human nature. And, and this is where like I know a lot of sales reps, you know, they they have this view that no one can do it better than me. Yep. Yep. And they, they want to go do it all and they have a hard time releasing responsibility to other people. And I get it because I was that way, but it's also to the detriment of exponential growth in your business. You know, what take the things that you're really, really good at, go do a lot more of those. And the other things that maybe you don't enjoy that somebody else really enjoys, it's maybe a lower cost activity. You know, maybe there's somebody you can insert into your business. And I, I did that as an example with a virtual assistant. You know, there's no way I could do this podcast and edit videos and create my copy and do my social media. I have a job, but I had a virtual assistant that loved doing it. And she was learning a ton from me, having to watch every single podcast multiple times as she was working on it. 
And for her, it was an awesome experience. So, you know, find those people in your business and, uh, and you'll scale. Absolutely. And there's actually one more that recently, more recently came out. It's called Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martel. And it pretty much like embellishes on that, on that point further. So I think that could be a good read for folks who are interested. Well, thank you for the recommendation. Well, Kareem, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the High Tech Freedom Sales Podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome. Take care. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating, and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.